Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Drake's Corner. It is the day right before Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. We're in the midst of November. It's the best time for sports. Uh, hands down. Don't argue with me about it. Uh, little no-shave November action. Check out the beard, guys. I know it's coming in nice. I'm kidding. I, 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 I shaved, okay? Um, I look like a weirdo with a beard if we're being completely honest. Um, yeah, I, I cut that streak off fast. I think it was the, the November 6th is when I last shaved. Something like that. I don't know. But anyway, welcome to Drake's Corner. We have so much in store. Um, just a crap ton of segments today. Uh, we got some NFL superlatives. I make an MVP case for a certain guy. We'll keep that, uh, We'll keep that anonymous for the headline's sake. NFL Power Rankings, of course. I got Fantasy Wire. New segment to the show, Give or Take, NBA edition. And yeah, so right off the bat, let's jump into the show. Baker Mayfield. Baker, Baker, Baker. Good old Baker. Heisman Trophy winner. He loves grabbing his crotch. We all know Baker Mayfield. Oklahoma stud. Browns quarterback. Almost led him to the Super Bowl last year. Well, here's the thing. If you haven't realized yet, Baker, um, the offense is not being built around you. This is a run-heavy offense, and Cleveland is not the answer. I'm a fan of you, Baker. I have a, I think you have a great mentality. You don't care what people think. You play your game. You know when you play like crap, too, which you said in your post-game interview after the Lions game. Um, but the fan base doesn't, res- doesn't respect you. Um, I wouldn't want to play in a place where just you're not the guy when you're looked at as the franchise. Um, I think that's being given to Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb is one of the best running backs in the league. The Browns run the ball damn near 30 to 40 times a game when they have both Hunt and Chubb in. Uh, I think Baker was there as the number one pick. They brought him in. You're a good quarterback, but they were never trusting of him to be built around. They brought in Odell and Jarvis Landry for reasons to keep him happy. That's why I think that they brought Odell and Jarvis in. Odell, mixed locker room emotions from his team. A lot of the blame for the passing offense was given to Odell, and now that's given to Baker Mayfield. Um, You know, the Browns need a better system quarterback rather than a gunslinger, and Baker Mayfield, he'll do anything to keep them in the game. He is a tough son of a bitch. Playing with a torn labrum in his shoulder. His leg is busted up. His foot. It's something every week, but he doesn't care. He he keeps going. He's a tough SOB, and he's a gunslinger, and he's someone you want to build around. Now, and with a sit, when it, with a quarterback that you need for a run offense, it's not Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield's the kind of guy you want throwing 50, 60 times a game. That might be over-exaggeratory, but that's who you want as your quarterback if you want to build around your quarterback. Uh, if you want to hand the ball off 30 times a game, get you a Ryan Tannehill. Get you somebody in the draft who you don't care and say, hey, we'll throw the ball 15 times, you hand it off like this, 30-40. to 40. Baker's not that guy. He needs a better system that has, a, first of all, a better receiving core now that, now that they, don't, they don't have Odell and Jarvis is banged up every other week. And they have a good tight end, David Njoku, but who else is there? Donovan Peoples-Jones? No. This, this, it's coming. 
it's coming to the end for Baker Mayfield in Cleveland. I think I think they're about to hit their rebuild. I th- I think they hit their peak last year. I think they need to draft a quarterback maybe, maybe sign somebody better who is a system quarterback and will hand the ball off 30 to 40 times a game. And there's plenty of quarterbacks in the league like that. Ryan Tannehill, um, shoot, Kirk Cousins. I mean, he slings it, but he's not someone you want to build around. So there's a few guys you could get there. Let Baker go. And now here's the spot where Baker needs to go. Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh should be all over him. Great receiving core. Ben Roethlisberger throws the ball around 30 times, 30 to 40 times a game. They are a mixed pass run offense. Now they have a great running back in Najee Harris who catches balls and they run the ball. They don't run them to the ground like they do with Chubb and Hunt. But Pittsburgh would be absolutely perfect for him. That's the guy you want to build around. They're trying to build around Big Ben right now, who can't move a step and are still way over 500 with their record. Baker Mayfield would put the Steelers over the edge, in my opinion, and bring him back to the playoffs and possibly the Super Bowl in the next two to three years. With that defense, you can't waste any time. Baker Mayfield is the answer. Whew. Man, when I just get rambling, it just spaghettios out of my mouth. Words. Yeah, a lot of gibberish, too, but... That's my take on Baker Mayfield. We'll see. I think the Browns should evaluate him and in the next, you know, five, six weeks here. See if he's, I mean, if he plays out of his mind, if they pass him like he's supposed to be passing and he goes for three to four touchdowns a game, minimal picks. I mean, Baker's playing better right now than he did last year, believe it or not. He has a better quarterback rating, less interceptions, not as many touchdowns, more yards a game, though. So, yeah, he's wasting his prime right now. They should, the, the Browns should be a playoff team, and they're not. Um, everyone said it was their year. It's falling apart, and better get that rebuild started sooner rather than later. Anywho, NFL superlatives. Uh, we had a few teams that surprised me. We had a few teams that made a statement. We had a few teams that let me down. Here's my NFL superlatives. The biggest statement team. Now, you may be thinking... Uh, Patriots, shutout, um, you know, good offensive play, zero points given up, no. My, my statement team here is the Philadelphia Eagles. They put up 40 points against, you know, an average Saints team, um, but here's the deal. They are now a dark horse playoff team. They got past the one test they needed, in their next five games they play Washington twice and the New York teams, the Jets and the Giants. On the all of those on paper should be dubs for the Eagles. Um, I think that's the statement they needed to make against the Saints, an average defense like the Saints. You know they're a little banged up, but they put up over forty points and Jalen Hurts ran the ball in for a touchdown three separate occasions in that game. Big statement from the Eagles. They have a very young team, and I think they're a dark horse playoff team. I think they can end up in the playoffs at an eleven and six record. It's very possible. They might not win the NFC, but they can get it. Some, a statement going for the next upcoming seasons as Jalen Hurts should be their franchise guy. I, I solely stick with that opinion. Jalen Hurts is one hell of a quarterback. They don't have a receiving core, though. Um, they Right now, they don't. I mean, they're still developing Devontae Smith, Jalen Rager, uh, Quez Watkins, who I'm very high on, Goddard. Uh, they have a good back in Miles Sanders. Good two-back combo with Boston Scott and Miles Sanders. Um yeah, big statement team is the Eagles. Uh, biggest letdown team, the Buffalo Bills. 
I would say the Titans, but they aren't healthy. The Bills are completely healthy and got routed by the Colts. Um, they, Josh Allen looked disappointing, to say the least. Um, I think Josh Allen was a big MVP favorite heading into the season, and he threw two picks, and they scored 15 points. They have no run game, uh, no defense at all. Jonathan Taylor, we'll, get, we'll talk about him a little more later. But Jonathan Taylor, whoo, made that team look silly. And to have the best defense in the league on paper, Bills looked terrible. And the new, the best defense now is New England, by far. No questions about that. Uh, back to reality team, a team that snaps back into reality, Tampa Bay. Um, with a disappointing loss against the Washington football team, they bounced right back and handled the Giants as they should. You know, on paper, they're the best offensive team in the league. Um, with the talent that they have, they should not be losing a single game, in my opinion. Uh, but hey, it's team game. You're going to catch some trap weeks. But, and they caught one last week against Washington. They snapped back like the NFC favorites as they could and handled the Giants well. And they made big plays on defense. So yeah, they're back to reality, you know, with the... With the upsets that have happened all throughout the league all year long it's a lot of teams have to snap back into reality and the bucks did handedly um the biggest surprise win washington victories against two good nfc teams with within the last two weeks great offensive play from taylor heineke and crew um they beat the buccaneers last week they beat the panthers this week uh, they're playing, it's kind of flip-flopped than how I imagined. I, ex- I expect a defensive play to be the reason that they're winning. No, they won due to clock management and Taylor Heineke playing out of his mind. Uh, I'm not going to say, they're not making the playoffs this year, but hey, it's something to build around. It's a good locker room morale thing to get, you know, to get the guys amped up for next game. It's It's a morale thing, but hey. They surprised me with a win this week, and they surprised me with a win last week. So, Washington, kudos to you. Those are my NFL superlatives. Um, you know, little award handouts each week. I know it means a lot coming from me for, to these teams and the players that I give them to. There's, those are my awards for the week. Um, next on the case, we got Jonathan Taylor's case for MVP. Um, Jonathan Taylor is a hybrid back who I don't think I've – Man, it's insane watching him play. He is so strong, so fast. A near equivalent to Derrick Henry besides size. But here, 15 touchdowns on the season. Those who say, would he be next to Derrick Henry if he wasn't injured? Would Derrick Henry be still leading the re- league in rushing yards? We can do what, if, what ifs all day. This is what Jonathan Taylor is doing. He has 270 yards over any other running back. The Colts have over a 500 record. Um... Taylor has more touchdowns than Carson Wentz. Uh, not enough, in my opinion, there's not enough quarterback play for any of the other quarterbacks in the league to take MVP at this point. I don't think there's a clear case for MVP. Maybe Brady, Kyler, um, you know, Josh Allen was ranked third before this week, and he's playing. he played like absolute garbage. So, um, in my opinion, the value of a running back needs to be stated higher. Because when you have a guy single-handedly running down the throats of elite defenses like the Bills and helping them put up 40, 41 points a game, the MVP needs to be handed out um, in an equivalent manner 
from if this guy is is the main reason for the Colts being over 500 that is tremendous and the value of a running back at that level should be stated higher it's the most valuable player on a team and I think you know teams like the Cardinals there's reasons to why they're winning besides Kyler there's reasons to why the Buccaneers are winning besides Brady I, I could see a case there um they have defenses the Colts have an A-OK defense but Jonathan Taylor um, when you have more touchdowns than your quarterback, that's ridiculous. And when you're the main reason as a running back to why your team's over 500, you damn well deserve MVP. So I think, you know, I I don't think he's MVP just yet. If he can, if he has another four touchdown game and a three touchdown game after that, and he, he needs to be in the conversation at least. I mean, we haven't seen an, uh, a running back win MVP since Adrian Peterson. So. It'd be amazing to see, um, especially as a second-year player. It'd be super cool. Uh, but I think he really has a case for the MVP. I mean, 15 touchdowns through um, 11 games. He's on pace for around – he's on pace for LaDainian Tomlinson's record, let's be real here. And he might be on pace for a 2,000-yard season. They have seven games left. Let's see how it plays out. Anyway, done talking about one man. Let's talk about a whole team, NFL Power Rankings. Before I get into this, my honorable mentions – the Colts, Rams, and Cowboys. Cowboys are easy six. I got Rams and Colts tied at number seven. Um, you know, the Cowboys were banged up. Um, their two best receivers were out. They put up nine points, no run game, really no pass game, made the Chiefs defense look good. They drop out for the moment out of the top five. Now, when those guys come back and they play to their elite level that I know they can play at because they're a number one or two team, They'll be right back in there. Fully healthy, they are amazing. But these are my top five teams as we speak. Number five, I got the Bucks. Right, Like I said earlier, they snapped back into reality with the slaughter of the Giants. Um, inconsistency is the only thing really stopping them from the Super Bowl. Brady is in and out every week of the MVP race. Their offense is unstoppable on paper, but their and their defense makes big plays. Inconsistency is the thing keeping them at number five. They, I mean, they, they lost to the football team. They took an L to the Rams. Uh, they they are the best team on paper. Once they snap back in the play, I think they're number one. I think they're the best offense on on paper. Um, once Brady goes in the playoff mode, uh, we could it could be over in a heartbeat. But inconsistency, only thing keeping them at number five. Um, let's see here. Number four, I got the Chiefs. Uh, their defense came up big against Dallas for the for the first time this season. Their defenses came up big. Uh, they, their defense also played good against Vegas. They could have maintained, you know, their offensive play to win, but that's when their defense came up big was against Dallas. They have four straight wins in a row. They're, they're now an AFC favorite for me. Uh, the offense and defense has clicked kind of inversely. One, one game, their offense is clicking the other game, the next game, their defense is clicking. Once those two click hand in hand, they're the AFC favorite for sure. Um, you know, they have all the talent in the world. Mahomes, teams are saying they've figured them out, um, but when you just go out and put up 406 and five touchdowns against, you know, Vegas, who's not really a bad team. They're just in coaching shambles and morale scan, like shambles. Um, you know, it's you're not going to figure out a guy with that talent, with that caliber of talent. Same with Lamar Jackson. I can say the same thing for Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Kyler Murray. Those 
those young quarterbacks, they won't be figured out just because they're so dangerous, scrambling, throwing, um, running the ball, etc. Uh, number three, I got the Patriots. Two words, shut out. New England's defense is the best in the league. They control the pace of the game and wear teams out. They have a great run game with Stevenson and Damian Harris. Mac Jones is comparable to Tom Brady in his first dozen starts. That's nothing to go crazy about, but hey, Bill has his new guy. Jones seems like the perfect fit for New England. He's a great system quarterback. Will maintain. He's one of those system quarterbacks that I was talking about, handing off the ball and throwing for maybe 15 or 20. But he's got an arm, and he makes good decisions. And the defense controls the game, and they haven't given up more than 14 points in the last three weeks. New England is a team to watch out for and might be the Super Bowl favorite in the AFC. Number two, I got Arizona. Durability, once again, may be a problem. Kind of like the Cowboys, um... Arizona's durability may be a problem, but here's the thing. They are smoking teams with backups. They just smoked Seattle, and they smoked the 49ers two weeks ago before that. They caught a trap game against the Panthers, but hey, the Panthers have a great defense, um, and they're going to beat a group of backups. But the Cardinals have two really good wins with Colt McCoy as their quarterback and without DeAndre Hopkins. Once Arizona gets their upgrades and Kyler and DeAndre Hopkins back, they will be back into unstoppable form. Uh, Ertz looks like an elite tight end again. They control the clock like New England with just a better offense. They don't have as good as a defense, but their offense controls the ball, and they score almost every single time. Um, yeah, and they have a good run game with James Conner. James Conner leads, uh, he did lead the league in rushing touchdowns before Jonathan Taylor decided to go nuts. Um, but yeah, their offense is poised, and once they get Kyler and DeAndre Hopkins back, they could fight for number one spot, and you guys might lose your minds over my number one spot, but I got Green Bay. Yeah, they lost without 11 starters. They lost on a last-second field goal without 11 starters. No Aaron Jones, no David Bakhtiari, their left tackle, no Rashawn Gary, no Zedarius Smith, no Jair Alexander. Those are 11, those are five of their starters who you might know the names of if you're not a novice football fan, but those guys make big differences to the Packers and they still maintained a three-point loss uh Green Bay's been dealing with injuries all seasons and they're beating teams like the Cardinals with some of their elite talent out uh fully healthy they're the best team by far and it starts with their defense um I could go on and on all day about Rodgers and Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones and their whole offense their secondary is becoming elite. They have a solid defensive line. Okay linebacker play, could be better. But fully healthy, they're the best uh, best hand-in-hand team offensively and defensively. They are the most balanced team in the league, in my opinion, when fully healthy. Um, teams like the Chiefs and the Bucks, um, you know, they, they're kind of a pedestal on one side. Both of those teams are offensively gifted, and their defense has held them back a few times. But with Green Bay, I can see their defense making big plays for them and winning games for them, and Rodgers doesn't have to worry. And I've, let's, I'm going to comment here on the Chiefs. I, I wasn't sure about them. I probably haven't said one thing about the Chiefs since my first episode. And I'll tell you what, I was not sure on what they were until now. They won four straight. They're AFC favorite for me now. They're, they've snapped back into it. I think they could be a little better. But hey, they're sitting at number four. Yeah, so that's my NFL power rankings. Um, you know, we know we know every week it changes, but this week I think 
this list is inarguable. You can argue with me in the comments. I'll destroy you, but you can try it. Anywho, Fantasy Wire, give you some fantasy football tips for your garbage teams. First on the list, we got Dontrell Hilliard. Who is that, you might ask? Well, I'll tell you. Tennessee running back, put up 15 fantasy points last week, mainly due to catches if you're in a PPR league. The Titans just released Adrian Peterson. Um, Jeremy McNichols doesn't get, like, touches at all. Expect Dontrell Hilliard to be the main guy for Tennessee. He's kind of a truck like, um, kind of like Derrick Henry. Uh, Deontay Foreman had a few carries, but this guy was catching catching balls all day long. I think he can put up five catches for 50 yards and run a little bit as well. If you need a good 10-point outing, Dontrell Hilliard, look out for him this next week. Two, Kadarius Tony. This one might be my favorite. Favorite. I expect him to get a lot more targets. Jason Garrett just got fired. The the Giants def, or, uh, offensive coordinator, Des Bryant, tweeted out, Kadarius Tony, this is your time to flourish. So I think they'll use him more as a weapon. I think Jason Garrett's offensive scheme kind of limited him to uh, just running a few routes, maybe three catches for 30 yards a game. I think they'll try and use him a lot more and get the ball in his hands. Kadarius Tony is a future superstar. Um, watch out for him next year. Watch out for him this upcoming week. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, 67% rostered in ESPN leagues. If he is in one of your leagues, look out for him. He put up 21 points this week, 18 points two weeks ago, and he is looking like a number one target for the 49ers besides George Kittle. Um, you know, he got six balls for 90 yards and a touchdown. Uh, before that, he was kind of, you know, inconsistent, but he had 18 points two weeks ago. I think he had seven the next week, and this week he had 21 points. So he's catching on as, you know, the main target for San Francisco. Those are three. Those are my three candidates for Fantasy Wire this week. Um, it's it's going to change every week. Um, you know, I was completely right on Cam Newton last week. Let's, let's not forget that. Elijah Moore, I was completely right. And Stevenson, uh, seven points. I could have been. I could have been better. Oh, whew, sorry. I'm having oh insane back pain today. I'm like hunched over right now. All right, let's get comfortable here for our NBA section. LeBron James and Isaiah Stewart got into a scuffle during the Detroit Pistons and Lakers game the other night. James at the free throw line kind of gave a little, a little. A little jerk-off punch to Stewart's face. Stewart was bleeding. Stewart was pissed. 20 years old, you know, you're new in the league. You want to make a statement. Your, your adrenaline's high. I get that. I want to take a dive into this from LeBron's perspective, and I think I know the reason why. And, you know, some of you may disagree, but I think this is why he took a shot at Isaiah Stewart. First of all, it wasn't inadvertent. Let's be real here. LeBron meant to punch him in it wasn't really a punch it was kind of a jerk off jab a little jerk off you know what I mean it was a little jab and he definitely did it on purpose why why would LeBron do such a thing you know he's only been ejected one other time in his career I'll tell you why it's because the Lakers suck <laughs> here here here's where I think it's happening LeBron has never not had it work out for him you know the first time he came to LA he they were getting completely used to the team he wants that celebrity look the you know he's the goat in some people's eyes um LA's the you know the best fit for him it was the best fit for his family in his opinion 
that first year, they didn't make the playoffs for the first time in LeBron's career. This time, they may look like they're making the playoffs, maybe at a lower seed, but they are not the best team in the West, and they're definitely not the best team in the league. Um, he's got his all-star big man in Anthony Davis. He's got his all-star point guard in Russell Westbrook. He cleaned house. He's got his best friend Carmelo Anthony on his team. Why are they sucking so bad? He might be wondering that and saying, I don't know what to do. And his emotions and, and everything gets carried out, he's going to take a little jab at the young guy. It's the first time in his career it's not working out. Even even in Cleveland with Larry Hughes and Zydrinus Elgoskis. LeBron James carried that team to the playoffs, was the main guy, the favorite in the East probably every year besides Detroit maybe and the Celtics. Uh, LeBron's made it you know, to the finals with a worse squad. So he's not used to this. And his emotions might be high, tensions might be high. I think LeBron took his anger out with a punch for like the first time in his career. I think we saw a little pissed off LeBron. People have said they, you know, pissed off LeBron as he goes in the God mode when, I don't know. But I think we saw the most emotion we've seen from LeBron with that punch and, you know, a long time. Like, bad emotion. Most of the time from LeBron, it's good emotion. This time, he doesn't know what to do. He's panicking. He took it out with a punch. That's what I think is what happened. Anywho, enough with that segment. The grand finale of the show. Hold on. Let me check something. I'm sorry. Grand finale of the show. NBA give or take. To start a franchise right now, you can give one or you can take one. We have a plethora of players. I have you know, one or the other here, and I'm going to tell you who I'm taking to start a franchise here. John Morant or Devin Booker? Listen, I'm taking John Morant. Devin Booker has a an elite scoring talent, but John Morant is an elite scoring facilitator. You have a two-in-one combo with Booker. I think you just have elite scoring and average defense. Hey, but I'm not dogging on Booker or anything. John Morant, I will take John Morant any day to start a franchise over Devin Booker. You need that team leader. Right now with the Suns, Chris Paul's the team leader. Devin Booker hasn't had a really a, a chance to lead the team, especially a good team. But with Monty Williams, they have a great coaching, great coaching staff. It's more the Devin more than Devin Booker with the Suns. Uh, and John Morant's putting up insane stats, top ten in points and assists. Uh, he's got that leader mentality, and he's younger than Devin Booker. So yeah, I'm taking John Moran over Devin Booker. This one might blow some of your socks off, okay? But hear me out. Jason Tatum or Zach Levine? You might say Tatum. No, I'm taking Zach Levine. Now, the age differential might be a thing, but Zach Levine has never had anything in Chicago given to him. It's been rebuild, rebuild, rebuild every year. He's still putting up scoring numbers. He's elite scoring numbers he's still staying staying quiet not saying anything toxic with Tatum you had Brad Stevens as your head coach you had it all set up with a, a great surrounding roster and Jalen Brown and other assets like Marcus Smart um you had it all built out for you in Boston and I don't think Zach Levine's had a chance to show um why it could work out with him Jason Tatum, on the other hand, has had his chance to say, hey, I am going to bring this franchise to an elite level. And it was right there, but it didn't work out. 
and I think, you know, he's only 23. Jason Tatum's 23, Zach Levine's 26. But with Levine, Levine hasn't had his chance to say, to show um, with the assets that he has now, with the head coach that he has now. Before that, it was a bunch of bums. And Levine has his chance. Tatum's had his chance. I wouldn't. I want to take my chances here with Levine's chance. Sorry, chance, chance, chance. I know, but I'm taking my chances with Levine here. I'd rather have him right now to start a franchise because look at the Bulls right now and look at the Celtics. And Levine's still the number one guy on Chicago. He's the franchise. DeMar DeRozan's past his prime, but um, they're building around Levine right now, and it looks great. Uh, Embiid or Jokic? I'm taking Embiid here. Nikola Jokic has one specific skill above Joel Embiid, and that's facilitating and passing. I'm taking Joel Embiid points, scoring ability, defensive ability, and rebounding. Joel Embiid is far above a better player than Jokic, and he's led his team to the conference finals. Um, Jokic... I can't, did he lead him? I can't remember. Okay, Jokic did lead them to the West Finals. But Embiid has three skill sets over Jokic, and I'll take that any day over one, which Jokic has, and that's facilitating, which you can you can find. I mean, Simmons was supposed to be the facilitator for the 76ers, but he's acting like a Kardashian right now, so, yeah, it's not going to work out with him. Maybe they'll find a different facilitator, but Embiid's a better building block in my opinion. And last but not least, the finale of the give or take, Trey Young or Donovan Mitchell? I'm taking Trey Young. You know, they're both the same scoring. I think Mitchell might be a little better of a scorer, but Young has the facilitating talent. Young's led his team kind of deep into the playoffs, uh, with the into the East semifinals. The Jazz haven't they've been on, you know, great regular season team, but they've never, you know, peaked over the hump in the playoffs. So I'm taking Trey Young over Donovan Mitchell any day to start a franchise. And that's that. And that's the finale of the show, everybody. Thanks for watching Drake's Corner. I hope you guys have a fantastic Thanksgiving. Um, Episode 9, I think it is, of Drake's Corner. We're getting to the best part of the sports season. Um, Expect, here's a little announcement for the uh, channel and for the future. Expect more content. Expect different content. Not soon, but in the near future. I'm going to... I'm going to try and expand this channel rather than just to a sports audience, but more to a, to you know anybody. I want anybody watching the channel. I, th- I think I'm capable of doing a lot more than just sports. So keep your ears peeled and keep your eyes open for some more content, different content in the near future. Well, thanks for watching Drake's Corner, everybody. I'll be here every Wednesday. You guys have a good night. Peace.